What's going on? It's CJ Today Slayer from the Upgrade America Podcast, Season 2, Episode 53. We appreciate you guys listening. Shout out to France. We see you on the listeners list. I know that's a lot to say, right? Um, hope everybody's being safe from this coronavirus scare. Um, yeah, thank you for supporting, liking, sharing, subscribing, all that good stuff. Definitely reach out to us. We leave in the option to where you can actually leave us some feedback. Um, leave feedback on the YouTube, on here. Let us know what you think. Um, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, doesn't matter. We're here for it. All right. Enjoy the podcast. Peace. Yeah. Upgrade America. There's still a chance for hope. Upgrade America. There's power within the vote. Upgrade America. Make sure you tell your folks. Yeah, season two, baby. What's up, world? I'm Cameron Ra, host and executive producer of. Hold on. I usually go Upgrade America, but today, I'm going to just point to the hoodie. Upgrade America, the greatest show on earth. Got CJ the base lay out there, man. What's good on your side of town, bro? What's going on? Um, just monitoring this coronavirus. Oh, yeah, true uh-huh. indeed. We're going to give you another update on that. It's actually some shocking findings that are, are going on around the world. But um, as always, thanks for tuning in, hanging out with us, spending some of your precious time, you know, with the the scholars over here we're just trying to give you some news little facts and a little enlightenment for you see brushing them shoulders off man yeah you know uh, you got any opening remarks nah man thank you everybody for uh rocking with us for season one this is the beginning of season two represent episode 53 so just so you know really it's been a long time coming man really excited about this um we have a, a lot of topics that we really didn't get to fully address in season one, and now we're gonna we're gonna tackle them today. So I do believe uh, <clears throat> we're gonna be going over uh, what is it, Bloodshot preview? It's mm-hmm. dropping. I believe that's gonna be March thirteenth. Yeah, so it'll be this next weekend, next Friday probably. So we're gonna give you a brief preview on that. We're gonna give you a coronavirus update. We have a, a, a real life, uh, how do you say, was the operation for Afghanistan? Oh, uh, it was That's Operation Enduring Freedom. Freedom. Enduring Freedom? Yes, well, sir. Well, thank you for your service, sir. And they have signed a truce with, uh, with the Taliban. So I'm very curious to hear your thoughts for someone who had boots on the ground in the region, mm-hmm. and you also dealt with uh, the locals out there. and. It, to some extent, the Taliban. So yeah, I'm, I'm very looking forward to hearing your perspective on that. Um, what else we got on the agenda today? Oh, washing your hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're definitely gonna give you some insight on that. The, as I mentioned, the Upgrade America store is available. You can get awesome hoodies like this. Well, these are, the Nike ones are premium hoodies. Those are special orders, but we're gonna have other hoodies, t-shirts, mad merchandise and swag up on the store you know so you can help support our channel but um 
we're going to be talking about the the Democratic Party right now. Mm-hmm. Should black people vote in the 2020 presidential election? Yeah. And um, we're going to talk about wealth inequality as well as immigration and how we can use it to upgrade America. And yeah, we got a, a lot on the on the show today. So first and foremost, look, you want to just jump into the trailer? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool, man. Fire this thing away. You on deck? Yes, sir. I'm on deck. Okay, so I'm about to pull the trigger right now. Wait for it. Wait for it. Boom. All right. And initiate sequence. Always starts out with a girl and something. It's always something like that. I know, right? In a, in a beautiful scenery. Like, mm-hmm. where do you think that was at? I'm sorry to be the one to tell I have no idea. There's no telling. This is, I don't know. That kind of. So, this is where we're in some interesting times where reality is verging on the, the edge of sci fi. Mm-hmm. I believe uh, the emphasis in this movie is about nanotechnology, and this is yeah. a, real, a real thing. Nano, nanobots are pretty much microscopic robots, and they can work together, and in this case, they're healing him. They, there's a bunch of different enhancements as well, but people really want to use little tiny robots to cure cancer, cure other diseases and things of that nature. But you know, where it can be, um, there's room for industry. There's also room for war or defense, right? Yeah, definitely private industry. Like this is fascinating stuff. I was like, I knew you would like this. I was like, I got it. Oh yeah, yeah. This is a. Uh, it's very really interesting to uh see hollywood portray how uh, the future of okay. warfare and why it may be hyperbolistic is sometimes it, it seems this is this is real we're, we're heading this way do i know you guys yeah and i guess the creepy thing is me is like the loss of humanity i'm worried about the mm-hmm. side of us like that's a you, man. you're just gonna have to come to terms with that Somebody just called me, man. Just took me out full screen. So I see like he got the Dr. Octopus hand. Yeah, I know. I noticed that. He was beefing with that dude. The whole, you said loss of humanity, it's gonna start with like prosthetics and stuff. Yeah. And then it's going to turn more into like, oh, like athletes are gonna want this stuff to make them faster and stronger. And then of course soldiers as well but um how far do you think it's gonna go man i feel like i just heard this are they playing this yeah this far? huh i'm seeing that i was actually in the movie theater yesterday oh okay and, um, I, I i took a picture with the how do you say with the little uh promo mm-hmm. but um yeah i, I definitely want to see this i am a big fan of tech sci-fi vin diesel's a great actor as well what are your thoughts? I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. Um, oh, man. So, another quick movie update. I did go see Invisible Man. Okay. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but I would say it has some very interesting tech in that movie that you would find interesting that has plenty of music. So, and it actually already has the tech. The tech is kind of already out already. I was gonna say they do have some stealth devices, you mm-hmm. know, for both P 
people and aircraft and vehicles. It's pretty yeah. impressive. But um, if you see the movie, it's very interesting tech. It was pretty cool. Um, I didn't know it was about technology. I didn't know. I saw the Invisible Man. I didn't really know where they're going with that. But it's, since you're mentioning it, that tech is involved, it may be something I want to check out. Shout out yeah. to Disney, though, by the way. I seen um, Onward last night with my lady and her daughter. We had a great okay. time. It was a pretty good movie. Talking mm-hmm. about uh, magic and technology. They, they really did a great job with that. But the trailer that they had to which it's a show called, I'm sorry, a movie called Soul. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, I do believe it's featuring, it's a Disney film that's featuring an African-American. And mm-hmm. it's talking about the soul. They're diving deep on this one, man. So I, I, I want to preview this one on another episode. It was, <laughs> it gave me a chills. It's like a P, I think it's like PG, but it's yeah. like the concept of they're doing it. Like, what do you want to accomplish in this life? What do mm-hmm. you want to be remembered for? And that's where they're leaving you with this. And then I think the guy dies and then he goes on the spiritual journey. But from the trailer, it looked like they're diving deep in this, into this one. I'm gonna, uh, yeah, definitely. I think we're gonna review this one, preview it next week, man. Okay, I'll check that That's out. Something that I, I'm, I've never found myself looking forward to seeing a children's film. And so, yeah, this would be pretty cool. Okay. What we got next on the agenda? Man? We're gonna dive into the sports section, right? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, what is as far as a main. Um, Headlines for sports. Like, you got any, were there any events over the weekend that you recall? Um, I guess the one thing is for the NBA, I haven't, I'll be honest, I'm an NBA fan, but I haven't been watching because okay. we got the Upgrade America podcast that takes preparation. You know, <laughs> it's really like it's a um, Between that and working full time, like both of us do, and other responsibilities, um, but the thing I did notice is just the greatness. I just want to appreciate the greatness of LeBron and the greatness of the next generation of NBA stars that are coming, like Zion Williamson, Luka Doncic, just on the Denver, uh, not Denver, uh, Dallas Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Um, just all of these players, just you're seeing the passing of the torch, and to see LeBron and Giannis. The Tentacupo, I think I said that right, or Greek Freak that plays for the Bucks. To see them battling, to see like 17-year vet and like a kid has been around for maybe I think three to five years. To see yeah. them battling was very like a pivotal moment and like the passing of the torch to me. So you know, that's all I. The words right out of my mouth. I was getting ready to say the passing of the torch. Yeah, but it's like kind of- I'm looking at uh, headlines right now, and they all, believe it or not, they seem to be focus on the coronavirus. Coronavirus, Bay Area, sports impact. Mayor says, cancel games. Teams are worried. Latest in sports and how coronavirus will affect March Madness. And then there's another one on the Wall Street Journal. They're saying, can you play games with no fans? Sports brace for coronavirus impact. And again, I've been uh, living overseas like eight years, having to deal with time zones, having to watch the Super Bowl at like three in the morning in Korea or something like that, yeah. or like other weird times in, in Europe. Mm-hmm. I kind of go out of the sports thing. But my question for you is like, 
has any other biological plague or whatever has it affected sports like this before i've seen that popular meme that's floating around the saying pretty much every election year there's some sort of a virus let me see if I yeah can i found that interesting um this is the only one i really can think of that's really seems like it's affected everything like really affecting like everything so hold on let me let me run down this real quick so 2004 was sars 2008 was bird flu got some really sweet deals in asia at five-star hotels when uh, <laughs> bird flu swine flu it was 2010 mers i don't recall mers this was 2012 mm. ebola Believe it yeah, or not, I remember that. 2014. That's nuts. That's actually pretty terrifying considering how it dies. You recall hearing anything about that? Yeah, I remember Ebola. Yeah, that was big. I think we had a couple of cases in it was in America. Couple of cases, like maybe like two or three. Not a lot, but they trust me. They quarantined the hell out of them people. They was on that I like this. Not be surprised. Zika yeah. virus was 2016. Now that was like all that. over. I believe that was that around the time of the Brazilian World Cup. Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I thought it was something. There's a big deal about something about that in Brazil. I don't recall. It might have been. Yo, Ebola made a comeback in 2018. That's yeah. not. And then the coronavirus is 2020. Yo, so it's like. Seems weird time for germs that's, that's going there. I know we kind of deviated from sports to yeah. talk about coronavirus because I had another update on okay. that. But you think I should just touch on it since we're already on the subject and then circle back to? Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll do a wagon wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, man. You brought it back to tech school. <laughs> my defenders. Who knows that uh that term? So, okay, so this really struck out to me, and I didn't want to whip the coronavirus because I, I don't want to hype it up, you know? Like, I really want to hype it up more than it already is. But when you're looking at this one, this headline is saying, Coronavirus, Northern Italy quarantines 16 million people. I say again, 16 million people. It's not like it's a, uh, it's 100,000. This is 16 million people. And this is including uh, regions where I was stationed at. Like, uh, I, I was 45 minutes from Venice, and I believe um, that's included into the quarantine. So they're saying the death toll in Italy has passed 230, with officials reporting more than 36 deaths in 24 hours. That's, um, I don't know, man, like, um, how, how do you think that is as far as, what are your thoughts on that? 16 million, million people being quarantined. Well, we had this discussion, like, I think in that country, because it's Italy, it's a little more digestible to do that. Mm -hmm. Compared to America, so massive. Um, but yeah, cause I was gonna say, Italy is like a, it's like a state. Yeah. I guess a personal part of me, my friend uh, who I was stationed with in uh, Germany, he's mm -hmm. a, a civilian contractor in Sicily. He's about to come back to the States 
but you got all this going on. You got to get be able to get out of there to come back home. So I've been talking to him a lot um, to find out, hey, how's it going where you're at? And there's cases where he is at in Sicily. So he's a little concerned that, you know, he won't be able to necessarily get out to come home. So and that is something that, yeah, they need to take into consideration. Yeah, That's so they might let him go simply because his visa is about to be up this month. And I'm pretty sure they don't want to have to go through the hassle. With everything shut down, it's going to be even more inconvenient. So they'll probably make an exception for him to be able to go home. Because he got to do PMO and all that stuff. You know what's odd and it sucks for your friend, but like what's wild about the situation in Italy is like this is the biggest quarantine outside of China. Mm-hmm. Like China, you know, they took these measures and, you know, everyone, this is happening in China, but now this is happening in Europe. Yeah. And I'm just curious to how a quarantine in the United States would work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the restrict people's move, the freedom of movement, It's uh, that's a pretty big deal. And, um... I'm not saying it's it's coming to that, or, or but the possibility exists, and, and we need to know. Uh, it, it would be nice to know the contingency plan and how it would affect the citizens. But yeah, would, would we really want to know the contingency plan, though? Well, yeah, because if it's like I mean, we would. by nuclear ordinance. I.e. in like Resident Evil where they glass over the city affected by zombies. Yeah, I'd like to know so I can get the fuck out of thoughts. But like, <laughs> just say. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I'm one of the people, I like to know the worst case scenario so I know mentally which way, you know, I'm prepared. Wouldn't you though? That's like... <laughs> yeah. I, I would say I'm just saying maybe not the average. If it gets to the point where it's like it's it's insane, then yeah, like perhaps I should get a head start on building that cabin in the woods. I'm always talking about like this is something to consider. But I know we kind of deviated from sports. You got anything else? Because we we give coronavirus too much power. Too yeah, much, for real. Well, let's uh, talk about the news article that you brought up in Arizona. I, I suppose. Uh, let me let me wrap up coronavirus with one more thing. Okay. And shout out to uh, Christina. She she pointed out that everyone's talking about running around with hand sanitizer and everything, and that is ineffective against the virus. It's antibacterial. You're talking about the coronavirus is a virus, so it is actually better to wash your hands than to uh, how do you say to try to cleanse it with uh, antibacterial. <laughs> try to kill a virus or something that's antibacterial. So, I would, I would I give, would, I would give credit to. Sorry to cut you off. I'll give no, credit no. to the military for having us be on that hygiene stuff heavy. And then, mm-hmm. I shout out to Disney, who I work with. They're very heavy on that. It's always been like that, like hand washing every bathroom, like hygiene. They're really big on that. So, um, yeah, it's just a part of my daily routine so like for me but i have noticed a lot of people a lot more people washing their hands they probably normally don't yeah i know that's something i have noticed but go ahead you're going going around where they're like i think you posted one from uh sf humor if you drank from a water buffalo (laughs) the coronavirus 
and it makes me laugh because you know you're thinking about security forces tech school we're covered in covered in mud you know just rolling around in, in the dirt all day 15 minutes to eat no one cared about washing their hands and still chop it down was it eat now taste it later or something like that and then get back to the fight but like (laughs) yeah i kind of believe that means to some extent but yeah gotta wash your hands and after you're done washing your hands check out you know um supporting the small businesses because that's what it's about you know 418 burger in highland uh, park new jersey they make a mean burger but their fries this is where they get you is with the fries, man. Like, I, have you ever had fries that were like rubs, had seasoned rubs on them, like beyond Cajun fries? No, not. Well, I've had Cajun fries, but not, you said Dion, like uh, Dijon? No, Dion. Like, they, like, most people that use rubs is like Cajun. Like, five guys, they use a, a like, yeah. Cajun rub. But this place, they use like a, I don't know, it's a hickory something honey hickory or something like that that it it comes out like encrusted in that and then you dip it in the honey mustard sauce and it is it's heavenly man so for a burger connoisseur like myself yeah i I, I give them uh five stars on on that but 418 burger highland park new jersey we're going to be reviewing other small businesses all across america because you know that's what it's about corporations and all yeah they're getting their chunk in there dabbling in the politics but we're supporting our small businesses so yeah I got myself or we're gonna be shouting y'all out in hopes yeah. that you give us free food and services nah just kidding it's us we just uh we're just supporting uh people that you know i'm or at least me i'm supporting businesses i love mm-hmm. but yeah man so you want to uh, discuss the article yeah let's let's talk about the article all right cool man you're actually our sports commentator, so why don't you lead off with that? Um, basically, in Arizona, they have signed a bill for... Let's see what we got here. Okay. Arizona House of Representatives passed a controversial bill Tuesday that aims to ban transgender female athletes from participating in girls' school sports. If signed into law, the ban would apply to all students in the state through college. The bill is HB 2706, which would require female athletes to prove their biological sex with a signed doctor's note following genetic testing if another student athlete disputes it. So that's what we're talking about. Hold on. What do you mean by another student athlete can dispute it? I guess if they're in competition and they feel like they have an unfair advantage, this is what I'm getting, um, they can dispute it. So say if that transgender person won first place and the other person mm-hmm. won second place, the, the I would say natural female, I don't know what we want to call this, but if she... I know was, it's a pretty slippery slope. Yeah, yeah slippery it is. Slope. Um, so I guess if she disputes hey that person's transgender they got a biological advantage yes i would agree yeah so it's like and here's why there are there are women on the spectrum of femininity is that a thing? 
Mm-hmm. Well, there are women on on the spectrum of being females that could whoop my ass or beat me in wrestling or, or other sports. I, I dare to say that there are a great many on the other side that can be dominated. Like being a male has a natural advantage. Like bio, biology has proven that. And, and um, that's why we're in such insane, ridiculous times where a person with the penis can say they're a female. And the state and other organizations honor that. They're like, okay, cool. With that notion, then I, if you can do that, then I want to be a tiger. And you have to respect that. I'm identifying as a tiger. And if that sounds ridiculous, it's, it's just as ridiculous as, as the other example is. And that's why I don't get it. It's like, you you see that there are people you're full of testosterone that's just part of being a male and you you don't think that's gonna help you deadlift more than uh you know than than someone else Mm -hmm. it's i don't know it's it's confusing to me and i get it you 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 have the right again like i said i want to be a tiger and i i have the right to identify as a tiger but at the same time it's like when it comes to Believe what you want, but what there we we ha- we have to acknowledge biology. We we can't just go around like oh people feel this way, so we have to ignore biology. We have to acknowledge that. But I'm gonna rant all day because again, it's, I'm, I'm discussing something that I really don't understand. And yeah, I'll, I'll chime in. What are your What are your thoughts? I'm like you, I'm conflicted. Um, I'm still trying to learn because to me, it's almost like there are new rules every day. Yes. With with sexual orientation and gender and like, so I'm trying to keep up. I'm trying to make sense of it. But just talking about this article, I think they should just make a transgender category if you're going to do this. If you want inclusion. And I I knew that was going to come up. And yeah. I'm gonna disagree with you, but go ahead. I'm, I'm, I got a rebuttal for you. I'm just letting you know. That's fine. Like I think you should have traditional male, female, and then have transgender. And but it's tricky because I don't know. Like I, I think to me that would nip it in the bud. We don't got to deal with this no more. Like you got your own category. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you want to be recognized. We all about inclusion in America. Well, we should be. Um, but I feel like that would just nip it in the bud. And I know America right now is in a cultural debate and conflict about the gay community and the offshoots of the gay community that are new, like all these derivatives. So here's the thing. Okay. And and Dave Chappelle put it so elegantly in one of his skits, like, we have it kind of figured out for the most part with, with, with the gay community as far as the, the whole transsexual thing, it, it provides a, an entirely new challenge. So you said have males, have females, have transgender sports. And then which locker room do they use? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. So, and, and again, so this is why I, I foresee, like in the future, it's, it's going to have to get to either 
and I don't see it going this one way where everyone is just open in public. Like they have unisex locker rooms and everyone's just open in public and, and comfortable with that, which I doubt it. Or you have to build another form of another form of unisex where everything is private, private dressing rooms, private showers, where it's truly unisex, you know? So then let's stay on the same topic of unisexuality. Mm-hmm. Say you dissolve gender entirely, mm-hmm. right? And based on performance, you no longer have the WNBA, you just have the NBA and women, if they meet the uh, the requirements, they can play. Mm-hmm. And and again, I think it would it would be kind of weird because while there are women who I'm very confident there are women who can be Navy SEALs that can meet the physical requirements, but I don't think they would be there would be as many women in that field as there were men. What do you think? Or even in the NBA or any sport, do you think it would be? What do you think the the ratio would be? It would be a low percentage, I believe. Just physically being able to compete. Now, on the flip side of that, there are males that are the same height, weight as women. Oh, yes. But it's... It's a a spectrum. Not every man is like LeBron James. There there are, are, you know, there are are men who are closer on the spectrum to to women. Yeah. At the same time, there are some, um, you seen Game of Thrones? That beastly knight lady who was like fighting with Jamie Lannister? Like, yeah, I would not want to fight her in the duel. But, you know, there, there's some pretty brolic women, but it's going with the, the sense of equality. Like, mm-hmm. you, you dissolve these, uh, these genders so you don't make it complicated and, and everyone can play. You play mm-hmm. work in sports. I'm confident there would be some females that would make the NBA team. Yeah, yeah. But would you have to bring in affirmative action where you're like, okay, now you got to cut some nails to make it better so we accommodate. You know, I I don't know. And I wouldn't want to go that way. I just want to encourage some females to train harder. But one more thing. Okay. Like the, even our military standards. Mm -hmm. The PhD test, right? It's like women were slightly different. So yeah. what is that? What is that based off of? Some sort of facts, right? I'm assuming they, they, they accumulated some sort of evidence to suggest that males are, are more capable. But I don't know. Not my problem to solve. <laughs> it's, uh, I suppose that's up to the sports fans. Yeah, I think it, it's a slippery slope. And you know, um, what I was reading in the article is the Democrats are highly against it. They're a little more on inclusion, but I can see both sides of it. But it's very complicated. It's just, call it what it is, it's complex. It is complicated. And again, it's like we, we mentioned the homosexuals in the military. And for the most part, that's cut and dry. Like, you have, yeah. yes, there, there are homosexuals, but they're still bunking with males. They're still showering with males. But then when you throw in the whole transsexual thing, it's like, it gets complicated. Because where you have a man with penis, could potentially, if he's, I mean, if she is bunking with, uh, you know, with, with women, could potentially, you know, it could lead to, they could have sex. They could have, you know, pregnancy downrange, you know? So that's a complication. But then you have the other side of the point, right? So you have this person 
mm-hmm. built like a female, tits and ass and all that, and then you're 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 gonna have that individual bunk with a bunch of war uh, testosterone aggressive boosted up uh, males, and then you you don't think that sexual assault is going to occur. That's true. So it's like that's a that's a complication. And then to have like be like, okay, well we're just going to have separate barracks for these individuals. Now you're incurring an additional cost. You know, and that's something we you know, we have to mitigate as much as possible. So like you said, it's a slippery slope. I I think the only two options are all inclusion or you know, like but at the same time, while you're still separating things, you can't have um, you have people with penises dominating sports that are uh, majority the majority do not have penises. If I put that politically correct enough. Yeah, that's tough, man. But yeah, I I agree with most of it. I, pretty much what you're saying, I get it. Like. <sighs> Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough topic, but um, yeah, that's all I got. I think, I mean, it seems like it's gonna get passed based on reading that article. So I think and that's this was like and seeing the article, it's just an eye opener because yeah, we're talking about sports, but as we, we provided the examples, it doesn't just pertain to sports. It it's true. To the main thing. And these are going to be legislative challenges in the future, you know. And this is actually really a challenge. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I am in, in with the military wise, because that is uh, it would be the biggest hurdle. And, I, and I, as I mentioned, I gave you those those two scenarios. But what do you think? With the military, once again, that middle ground, like. Mm-hmm. Homosexuality, you know, lesbian, bisexual, all that's easy stuff. Whatever. But the transgender part is hard. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, what do you do with that? Like, because, be honest, like, during my enlistment, we knew pretty much who was gay, lesbian, bi, like, but it was don't ask, don't tell. Like, right. you know, don't bring it up. You won't get exposed. We both can have a good career. It's no big deal. And you would have a very good political career because you avoided my question. How would you, how would you handle transsexuals in the military? Uh, hmm. I guess it goes down to what they identify as. Um, Let's use the example of females or people with penises identifying as females. Okay, I think you got to go with the genitalia. That's the standard. Like, if you have I'm, a piece, I'm you know, referring you, as far as bunking, showering, and, yeah, and, and that nature. I think you got to go with the genitalia. That's the only clear-cut way. Like, unless you've already had the transformative surgery, you are a male. You're still classified as male, even though you identify as a female. Same thing, vice versa. I think that's the only way you can handle it, to be honest, where it doesn't incur cost and add more confusion. The other stuff I feel like will police itself, because that's why we have 
military equal opportunity. That's why we have Inspector General. That's why you have Chain of Command. All that stuff will kind of take over, even though they will be fighting through their biases trying to enforce this new standard in the military. Now, what do you mean by uh, like you're saying that, or I'm asking, would these would transgender females be because gen genitalia would they be bunking with males? And you're saying that's what they would have to police any type of sexual assault within that type of scenario. Uh, well, it can go either way because you're talking about. Um, I think, like I said, it goes back to the base of what I said. You could be transgender. Is I think it was transgender and transsexual were kind of mm -hmm. a little bit different. I think oh, okay. transgender is when you actually have had the surgery. I think to transform. I think I'm not sure could be wrong on that one and then transgender is like what you identify as I did not know I thought they were the same thing but no they're, they're a little she's bit she's not transgender so Google defines transgender as denoting or relating to a person whose sense of personnel personal identity and gender does not correspond with their birth sex okay so let's define transsexual so i must i think i got it in reverse yeah transsexual a person who emotionally and psychology feels like they belong to the opposite sex so they're i don't want to say they're they're similar but there yeah. one seems to be there's no implication of surgery in any order yeah, yeah. That's what confused me. So, in me, I guess my definition is when I think of transgender, you've had some kind of surgery alter mm -hmm. your sex, your your sex, and then transsexual. I feel like is more like how you feel. Interesting. You, you know, now, that's well, here's the thing. Let me ask, and I, I know we're both not biology majors, but if you surgically remove the testicles and the penis, whatever, whatever, are those testosterone levels still going to be? as high as a conventional male because if not then i don't see a problem with that type of competitive but at the same time these these balls that we, we have between our legs they give you a they give they produce testosterone um from what i understand my basic knowledge of it is they have to go through uh hormone therapy mm. their surgery meaning they gotta take estrogen to build up the estrogen to lower the testosterone levels. I think you're right. What was that show? Um, what was that show? Orange is the New Black. Yeah. I think the, yeah. that individual had the surgery, but mm. because she had the, she didn't have access to the hormones. She got like frolic or something. Yeah. So that's very interesting. Yeah. So it's. You know, we're trying to be sensitive, but understanding, but we I'm are being sensitive. And that's not my strong point. I'm yeah. trying to be understanding, like like you said, but there's a lot that I don't understand. Yeah, and like I, that's what I was gonna say. Is like we we're both trying to understand. Like it's like yeah, it's it's tricky. So and I'm trying to think as as you know from a level of prudence, like what would be the best move for for essentially for the military because. 
outside of it, it's really not like, you know, consenting adults, whatever you do. Yeah. But with, you know, good order and discipline, will that impact good order and discipline? And um, who could uh, say? Yeah. We're, we're in uh, unprecedented experimental times, it seems. Yes, sir, we are. Do you got any more remarks on the, as far as the competition? Are you in support of the bill? Um, I guess, yes, in the sense that I just wanted to be fair. From I agree a with you. Standpoint. I, I do agree with the bill. Because I saw, so, um, yeah. I, I saw a, a bodybuilding contest like that, and the dude, yeah. There you go, sliding all over that slope. <laughs> the individual yeah. just felt like was ripped, you know, yeah. masculine ripped, but just had like a wig on. And it was like, yep, I just won the women's competition. And I'm just like, seriously? And then, and I like, again, I don't understand it, so I'm only saying it from my perspective, but it's just like, that's like me identifying as a child. Mm -hmm. And saying like, I'm going to the kickball. I'm going to play kickball. I'm going to kick this thing out of the park every single time. And there's nothing you kids can do because I identify as a 12 year old. Like that's well, my ignorant, my ignorant perspective. That's how I'm perceiving it. Well, to be, I mean, you kind of touched on. I touch on it real quick. We might have to do a whole topic on this, mm -hmm. sexuality and gender and all that, um, more in depth. But there are people trying to classify pedophilia as a sexual orientation. There oh, is a segment man. of the population that is actually trying to do that. So when you said Yo, that... Shout out to Mario. I want to get him on the show. He's been putting me on that. As far as like the age of consent is getting lower and the agenda of this uh, pedophilia thing. I mean, Jeffrey Epstein, is, uh, it's, he's, that's key evidence to it. But at the same time, just I told you about going to the movies yesterday. They really pushed this. It was actually kind of gross. It's like mm -hmm. The Simpsons, right? You remember Maggie? Yeah. It was like they actually showed her little love story with some dude at the park. And it's just like they're pushing a lot of adult themes onto mm -hmm. this child. And it's just like maybe I was just watching it from another, you know, just picking it apart. But I don't know. I know... Simps uh, the Simpsons just got acquired by Disney. I'm not saying Disney is in that crowd, but um, it's, it's I mean, yeah, but there is definitely an agenda with that. Definitely worth discussing. I want to try to get my subject matter expert to come on and, and, and further address that. But yeah, that'd be wonderful. It's, it's there, man. Well. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's so many agendas uh, so much to discuss, man. Let's see what else is on this, this yeah. agenda. Bro. We're going to talk about it. Um, I do believe, what, we hit the transgenders and or transsexual yes. support. So you want to briefly touch on, give us a recap on your experience in Afghanistan before you go into uh, talking about the tree? Yeah, so my recap, uh, I was stationed in Camp Eggers. No, I don't think it exists anymore. And it... In, in Kabul, cool. we call it Kabul. Is Kabul? Either way. Um, my general take on Afghanistan: I've talked to people here and there. I don't really talk about it as much um, for obvious reasons. But for me, 
it infuriates me sometimes when I just hear the word Afghanistan from the simple point of waste of taxpayers' dollars. Mm, now, why do you say that? I witnessed us waste taxpayers' dollars, like on infrastructure, on training the Afghan troops. I'm not saying we shouldn't train them, but when they have better equipment than you do, that's a problem. Hold like, on, you saying the Afghanis have better equipment than American troops? Yeah, so we would see some of their equipment. That's brand new, really? And we got used, like, really? Like, yeah, I remember seeing wow. that. Trained some Iraqi security forces. Yeah. And, and I'll be real, their equipment was pretty shitty. It was like, yeah, bring, like, bring your own body armor, <laughs> bring your own AK. Like, so you're saying they were getting pretty top, they're getting funded quite well? Yeah, like, to see that, to know why I'm here, trying to figure out, you gotta think, it's 2000, it's 2007. So I'm trying to figure out why we're here. But you and me both, brother. Yeah, so on top of that, you're scared shitless. Let's call it what it is. Like you are in a foreign land, you don't know who the enemy is, mm. and you just got a mission, you gotta do everything. So but I think that's the part that angers me. And then and since I do dabble in history, knowing that nobody's ever won in Afghanistan, mm. um, why are we still there again? Like I'm gonna tell you why we're still there. At least the hypothesis: ninety no, percent no. of the world's opium, heroin, lower tabs. Let's call it Tylenol three. Let's call it morphine. Let's call it all of those oxycodone. Like ninety percent of that comes from uh, comes from from Afghanistan. So oh, I got like to, I got to see that. You don't think that uh, America's in the drug business? They're in the drug business. The pharmacies. You know, from big pharmaceutical, like they they get a big portion of that, that stuff there. So, having your talents, having a presence there, I could see why. You know, I could I could totally see why that makes sense. I could see like, and you and I have discussed this on foreign policy. I could see it from a industry point of view. Militarily, I can't see why we're there. Well, you understand that industry and the military go hand in hand. The military is sure. just a tool. They say the military is a tool for diplomacy. But yeah. at the same time, if it's like... Well, that's why like, you have private military contractors you can use in lieu of us. Why are we... And, that, and that's why I think we should use moving forward. Because, again, we talk about global mil military withdrawal. But there's no mention of paramilitary withdrawal because you create a power vacuum and it's like to some extent all this conflict ties into our bread and butter and having yeah. um maybe we worked out a deal with the afghans where it's like we can still get the opium and you know at, at a deal and we don't need to have our presence there. but it, it ties into it definitely ties into that it's like yeah sure to go get Osama bin Laden who end up in Pakistan. Sure. Yeah. That's why we're there too. But oh, I, got I, I dare I got say it, it, it's, it's related to the open. Well, I got a great video of explaining how the Taliban came together. I'll try to share that link. That's a great video. Like, I watched that video and it blew my mind. Like, it connected all the dots. 
that I didn't understand. Mm. Um, I can't really vocalize. I have to watch it again because mm. it be so heavy in my head with that one. But um, basically, you know how they say hearts and minds, right? Yep. Okay. You gotta win the hearts and minds. To sum it all up, basically what I learned from that short clip, and it was like 10, 15 minutes, but it was so brilliant. The Taliban essentially were the offspring of the initial conflict when Russia invaded Afghanistan. They turned radical through the help of uh, Islamic imams, I think I'm saying that right, like basically Muslim preachers or now, whatever. Hold on. Scholars. Now, let's, let's run that back, because wasn't Osama bin Laden is it Mujahideen? I think they did mention that in the clip, actually. It's like, because I believe Osama bin Laden was with the Mujahideen. I think so. And then, like, we armed him with Stinger rockets. And yeah. South, yeah. So mm-hmm. they could take down Except- Soviet, uh, Soviet helicopters. So it's like, to some extent, he was one of our assets back in the day. And as you mentioned, they got a little radical. And um, there we, we've been at war with them for like 11, no, damn near 20 years. Yeah, you're talking about 2001. Yeah, so yeah. That sure be 20 years. So it's but. like, uh, again, we captured, uh, captured and killed. Uh, Osama bin Laden, but then the Afghan thing still kept going on. So what 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 was the deal? Do you okay. Know? Well, as far as what? Like the the treaty that was just broken. Okay. Let me. I got a quick overview. This came yep. from the economics, so so people know where it came from. Cool. cool. The peace deal was signed uh, February 29th. Got it right here. Um, between the U.S. and the Taliban, the chief negotiator was, let's see, Abdul, make sure I get this right, Bahandar. He's a chief negotiator, but the Afghan president didn't sign off on the promises of releasing 5,000 Taliban prisoners before March 10th. That was pretty much the agreement they signed. But the Afghan president didn't sign off. Interesting. Which is Ashraf, let me see, As, Ashraf Kahani, I think that's how you say it. Okay. Um, there was a seven day ceasefire before the agreement was actually signed. So I guess the 22nd to the 29th, there was a ceasefire. So there was no violence or anything going on. Pretty much after the signing of it, March 3rd, boom, violence starts up again. So, after the like treaty 23 government checkpoints in 34 provinces, I guess they got hit or something like that. And then... Because I heard that Trump did an airstrike shortly after the treaty. That too. So, that that killed, um, well, 15 Afghan soldiers died in, was it, Kanduz province? And the other province is Helmand make sure I'm saying this right. But I'm curious, who broke the truce? Who, who drew first blood? Was it us or was it, uh, was it the Taliban? Unfortunately, this article didn't really say. It just mm-hmm. said the fighting started up again, basically. Mm-hmm. So 
that's the only thing I didn't like about the article, but I like that it had just a quick overview of what's going on. But basically, we still just fight like normal. So, like, you know, in the Upgrade America handbook, available on Amazon Kindle, I mentioned about keeping an open door and an open channel with, you know, these people. I'm, what do they want? What do you think they want, the Taliban? I honestly, I mean, if I had to put a guess, they just want to be left alone. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm sure there's more conditions and demands than that. Because, again, I as, as I, I mentioned, I, I would pull out and say, like, listen, we need X amount of opium or whatever the hell they, you know, they want and negotiate that deal. Just mm-hmm. keep it coming. And we're going to fall back. And I, I think know, they... I think it's more of the conflict between the Afghani government and, t- and the Taliban. Because I was I gonna say, I, I, I hear their uh, Taliban, their, their their way of governing is a bit antiquated and uh, yes. somewhat cruel. So again, mm-hmm. I suppose we couldn't just pull out and allow uh, human rights violations to occur. So my negotiation was like, yo, don't mess with the people. And give us a dope and we'll leave you alone mm-hmm. and just in case we'll leave a few paramilitary contractors in place but yeah. i mean if you violate these terms you gotta come back Go on. i don't like it was just very for me i was very disenchanted being there we used to go to these meetings every day with the official afghani mm-hmm. but you're also dealing with corruption in their ranks you're also dealing with them damn near getting assassinated while I was there like the president a few times from what I remember so wow yeah so it's like and then also what angered me is you watching NATO and all these people pulling out like they're stopped funding this stuff they're pulling out like there's a couple of them there but I looked at how much money we put in it's almost like we put in basically you know after World War II we rebuilt Europe and we yes. rebuilt Japan basically it was basically that's what we're doing in afghanistan but it's like the people don't care about it which is aggravating which i get from their standpoint we didn't ask you to come here y'all chose to come here because of x y and z but y'all forcing us to build schools y'all forcing us to do like i watched the construction projects and they're like oh this is supposed to be done like in a couple of months and it looked like they just started and it's like we're wasting my taxpayer dollars here too like people don't how really many, uh, how much why don't we just google that how much do you think we spent in Afghanistan I know Iraq they said it was like 12 billion a day probably billions as well um, how much matter of fact let me just do this voice search how much did the Afghanistan war cost Because remember, they're also paying for the cost of soldiers after the war. You, would they say you break it, you bought it? And there's been a lot of um, broke soldiers. According yeah. to the Congressional Budget Office, report published in October 2007, mind you, this is like more than 10 years ago, the U.S. wars in Iraq and Afghanistan could cost taxpayers a total of $2.4 trillion. So let's round it up to a nice... Let's call it 5.5 5 
just to be safe. And that's a minimal. I'm sure yeah. it, it probably exceeds that. But um Yeah. All that all that money and, and what? So What did it, I'm, I'm really trying to see the bigger picture, like what impact did that have on uh, on our freedom back home? Good question. And I, I'm failing to see the, the answer that myself. I, am def- I definitely failed to see so that. What, you know, what are you thinking uh, in, in the future? You're just hypothesis, educated no. guess. What, where do you see Afghanistan five, ten years from now? I think something will change. I think I think there will be more of a drawdown from us. Mm-hmm. Something's going to shift. I don't know what. As far as the people, their attitudes and everything, I guess it depends on their their uh, infrastructure, their technology, and their society is going to determine that. Curious how getting them more internet <laughs> and online. Yeah. would uh you know uh would affect their because again it's like you have people in, in power they really control the information you know taliban yeah get everyone educated everyone online everyone connected share ideas learn new ideas you won't be so close-minded i don't know that's uh Maybe I'll have my propaganda team get on that as far as like getting everyone in and um, tablets and things of that nature because it's gotten so cheap. You can get a, a you can get tablets on Amazon uh, for like under twenty five bucks. One that can get on with a uh, with a webcam. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's like I imagine if you bought them wholesale, you could probably get them for five and spread yeah. them out through, through regions where people don't know anything because they did an experiment like that in Africa. They gave a, a, a village of kids, um, they gave them tablets, Android tablets. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, they weren't iPads. But like, they gave them, <laughs> they gave them Android devices. Mm-hmm. And they actually, what they say? They left the adults out of the equation. They gave it straight to the kids. And they didn't know what was going to happen. And they said, like, within a couple of days, they, you know, well, within minutes, they were already online. And then, like, they said afterwards, in a couple, like, a week or two, they figured out how to hack the the operating system. (laughs) Like, I guess they had, like, a default wallpaper, and the Mm -hmm. kids wanted their own unique wallpaper, so they found out how to override that operating system and, like, get on it. And after that, they started, like, learning and, and, and teaching each other but the project was called android teachers and mm-hmm. meaning like they put these devices full of educational material just gave it to the kids and then figured it out and that's the technological age we're in now and that's a alternate means of teaching you don't need that flesh and blood person with the ruler whipping you when you're out of line like these kids can learn at their own pace on their own time so that, I kind of found that fascinating. I would like to replicate that in Afghanistan, North Korea. Um, Iran. Well, yeah, I mean, essentially over the world, man. We need to get everyone online and, and everyone educated and literate. And, you know, so people can't, um, 
people can't control your reality, meaning like you only know what an educated person tells you. You know, yes. like you can find your own facts, find your own truth. And that's a superpower that I think many Americans take for granted. Definitely. So what we got next on the, the agenda? You got any closing remarks on, uh, on the Taliban? Um, I understand them more now than I did when I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what their future holds though. I'm really dependent on the Afghani people who want more of a free society and what that looks like for them. I'm really kind of leaning on them to make that quantum leap on that. So that's what I foresee. It's gonna. That's what it would take. Internal change. I see. But it just seems the culture is um, democracy doesn't seem to fit too well into their culture. Mm-mm. And it's like we. You think we need to acknowledge that and, and use that to our advantage? Yes, that's that's the key flaw of our foreign policy. Is like what I mentioned as far as go back to our other previous episode in season one, since we're in mm-hmm. season two now. Um, we talked about foreign policy in Iran, but it can be applied to a lot of other countries. And the thing is, you got to see what fits them, what can help them. And mainly what I was referring to was installing benevolent dictators. Like, you're not, you don't want democracy, you don't want, you want a strong leader, cool. We got it. Like, do what I say. I mean, you can argue. It's not essentially what the Taliban is, or like, what the strongest leads and like, they dictate their their will down onto their people like there is no room for democracy so if you had a strong leader in place dictating wills that's in accordance with our values you know do you think that would work i would say to a degree but we we have regime change in other countries that hasn't worked they end up getting assassinated or ousted so You bring up a very valid point. Got history with that. So I would say you would have to find, I guess, somebody that's a little more independent, that understands the cultural tradition of Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. I really wasn't saying, like, elevate a Taliban leader. Yeah, yeah. Elevate another type of leader who is open to... um, Probably probably somebody younger. You would want somebody probably around... And Absolutely. then you want some sage advice for dealing with the cultural aspects of the tradition. Because tradition is very important, just like it is in America. It's very it important for the country. So I think tradition, that's how I would go. Tradition can screw you sometimes. That's you know, true, too. People are stubborn with traditions, and sometimes they want to part with them, and it can set you back. And I think that's something that we're seeing there, particularly because they have religion woven so deep into their um, into their politics uh, like, our, our, we do too we do but we have we, do. A, we have a degree of separation of church and state it's uh even while they're saying trump is trying to uh, blur those degrees there is no how do you say christianity while god bless america all that stuff it's like it is not the uh it's not the religion that's being forced onto 
to the people. I dare say it would be, it'd be very difficult to be any type of religion. Or I'm being ignorant. You may know better than me. What are the no. religious demographics in, in, in Afghanistan? No, no. I'm well, well, I'm just talking about America now. I'm not talking about Afghanistan, but just comparatively, mm-hmm. religion is very woven into our government and way of life. It is very mm, subtle in ways. And yes, I know. Other ways. So it's not, for me, it's just, it's not that much of a difference. It just seems like you just see the extreme versions of it, basically, for the mainstream assumption. That's why I would put that. Well, that was, when I saw the headline the first time, I thought it was too good to be true. And then that way it is too good to be true. And, um, I was, yeah, I was like, eh. as As I foresee, like, I think we're in a, a time of awakening and younger people are getting into politics and things like tradition and, and things of that nature are going out the window. So I would very much like to see a younger person from uh, Afghanistan, Iran, all these other countries, like just the power belongs to the people and you know, find a way to consolidate that and make some changes. What? So if we hit that one, I yeah. know you said you want to discuss should Black Americans vote in the 2020 presidential election? I'll let you lead off this, sir. <laughs> you don't want me to lead off this. Yeah, go for it. As I am, as I am running for president mm-hmm. in America in 2020 as an independent, yeah, I want Black people to vote in 2020, and I want them to vote for me. Why? Because I'm running for president, duh. But I also offered a black agenda. Like, we, we laid that out. I am an advocate of reparations. I'm an advocate of reducing police brutality. And here's the thing. Even if I got, what do you say, it was like 20% of the Democratic vote is African Americans? Well, I think that's what makes up, yeah, like the, Dem- the uh, Democrats yeah. is 20%. So, but even if I got all African-American votes. I still wouldn't win. But here's the thing. It would send a very bold message to the Democratic Party who has yet to uh, offer a black agenda, a clear black agenda, um, or, or the Republican Party for that matter. It's like one party is going to win. Yes, someone's going to win. But when they see like, whoa, I could have got like X million amount of votes if I would have, you know, paid more attention to to a certain demographic. Because um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just people are just, uh, particularly African Americans, are just mindlessly sacrificing their votes to the Democratic Party. And it's like it was. It broke my heart to see that. What was it? A hundred years after someone was lynched, that Congress finally like passed the bill saying it's like a oh man what was it like a federal offense yeah, or something yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. like I'm like you guys are a bit late on that but Democrats have been in power long enough to make these changes and they didn't like so you're saying like oh yeah I'm black I'm voting Democrat like they had plenty of time to make plenty of changes and to uplift the, the quality of life for African Americans, and they didn't. So, um, 
That's where you come at as president, right? Well, yeah, God willing, uh, that that position is, is offered. I'm only bringing it up to say that, you know, these these quote unquote black parties that are the party that that favors African Americans, not so much. You gave a, a a sly analogy. You said what? Did you say the Republicans use spit and the Democrats use lube? <laughs> like either way, we're getting it, man. We're getting yeah. it. Like, yeah. how, how you gonna get it? Because there are some, um, there were some very uh, under the Clinton administration. I do believe there are some things, some policies that that were detrimental to our black community, that negatively impacted the black community with the what was it, the three strikes and, and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Was it not like, for crime bill? I, I believe for- it, and it may be that, but you can't just. Like, yeah, he got up and played the saxophone. Like, they give a fuck about you. They don't. So, again, when to answer your question, yeah, you should vote. But, like, um, show that you're, you, you have to remind them that our vote has power. And so, if black people are going to vote outside of that, outside of a particular party, they have to do it in numbers. They have sure. to, be, you know, this is the turnout that we muster, this is the power that we bring. So next election, like, better meet our demands. Or we'll vote for the person that, we'll vote for, you know, someone else. Yeah. Like, they could vote for another party, you know, like, but I don't know. Uh, what what I've read vote? and listened to, uh, I'm kind of going to disregard the article a little bit. I'm going to just read this one part. Okay. Top contender, Sanders and Biden are pretty much on a collision course to duke it out for the de- Democratic uh, nomination when the uh, convention comes up soon. I don't know what month actually. We'll give more details as it gets closer. But pretty much everybody that was in the field of 24, I think 24 Democratic uh, candidates, I think about like five or six of them dropped out within the last week or two. How was Tulsi still in? I like that she was hanging on. I like her. Um, she needs a little more clear of a plan, but I do like her moxie and I like her perspective. Um, I admire her perspective. Yeah, I, she would be a great running mate for whoever leads. Like, even though I don't really care for Bernie or Biden, honestly, do but you think they would ever join forces, Bernie and Biden? Ooh, there's some mention of Biden tapping Kamala. Yeah. I don't know at this point. Like you said, going back to your opening remarks with this topic, nobody's still providing a clear agenda. The only one that actually somebody I had read or listened to something, it said actually out of everybody, Mike Bloomberg was like the only one that really provided some kind of black agenda. It wasn't a lot, but a couple of things at least. I forgot what it was. And but, I applaud him for at least trying. Yeah. You know, for at least the uh, Giving it, giving it a shot, and I think that's um, that's what black people need to do. Is if uh, your party, your your traditional party, is not representing you, then vote against it or vote for me. You know. But, yeah. um, oh, so go ahead and segue into the conversation I had with my friends um, about voting in this upcoming election. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we got in a big disagreement about it. not in a bad way, just a civil discourse on. 
why I should vote this election. I'm like, well, what's my incentive of voting this election? I haven't heard anything that impacts my community. And so what was the, what was the argument in favor of it? Well, it was like the same cliches of our ancestors did this for us to be mm-hmm. able to vote. And uh, don't waste your vote. The lesser two evils, like all these narratives. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm I heard the lesser two evils. And I'm like, I want to be my own evil. Like, I don't want to compromise and, you know, just vote just to be another person. And it's, uh, yeah, my ancestors did go through, uh, suffered a lot. So I could have the right to vote, but also to run for president. Because when that constitution was signed, I couldn't even vote, let alone sign my name to, uh, you know, to run for office. So I'm doing it because I see incompetence on both sides. Yeah. And I'm comfortable with uh, with both counts, with both sides. And that's what we talked about. I was like, well, what incentives are they offering? We don't even hear from the Republicans. I mean, I I will give Trump, he does little gestures of efforts to help the black community. I will give him that, at least he attempts to. I mean, he's not. And that's why I said, I I appreciate gestures because even gestures are, are better than nothing. Well, I won't say that. I would say, nah, you got to do something. But, like, all right, give you an example. When he pardoned that lady, I forgot her name, the lady, like, that is an action. It's not, even though it's politically... Um, Motivated. Exactly. For a perception and a PR and all this stuff, he did something, like, just to show, hey, like, I'm cool with y'all. I have no problem with y'all. Y'all Americans. Mm-hmm. Boom. I'll get you out of jail. No problem. You know, even though I don't agree with his policies and how he runs the country, out of the other candidates, when you ask them about a black agenda, they're running from you, they're ducking, oh, we gotta worry about all Americans, but aren't we Americans too? We are Americans. That get left out every election? we did not uh, get reparations, considering we're still at the totem pole, and I suppose we can segue into this with Mm, the uh, income inequality, but considering African Americans are at the bottom of the income totem pole, the income hierarchy. Like, yeah, we deserve a, a black agenda. We, we deserve some, uh, you know, to know what type of guidance we're, we're going to receive in the future. And none of these candidates have provided anything. And again, while well, I applaud Donald Trump's, uh, you know, his, his efforts and his, uh, his, his photo ops. <laughs> You know, like, I, I want to know what you're going to do for black people as a whole. Yeah. And I don't think that's been represented, but let's go into, uh, kind of want to discuss income inequality. Okay. Go and then it. we can kind of transition into immigration a bit. And I suppose we're going to be glazing over immigration because this is a, oh, yeah. a very, very big topic. So let's, let me bring up this data. So I'm looking at the charts, right? And if they have three bullet listings and they're listing medium household income, and this is in 2016, and they're doing it by demographics. So African-Americans at the bottom of the total are on average, are getting about 30,000, and I'm rounding it, $30,000. Like for me, in America, 2020, anything under 15, I'm sorry, anything under 50 is damn near poverty. 
Yeah. That's just my yeah. personal opinion. I know it's different based on your location. Mm-hmm. But thirty thousand dollars it's at the bottom of the totem pole and that's unacceptable. American Indians and Alaskan natives are making thirty nine thousand dollars on annual. Hispanics and Latinos, forty six thousand dollars. Native Hawaiians and other Pacifics, fifty thousand dollars. Middle Eastern, fifty six thousand dollars. And whites making sixty seven thousand dollars. East Asian, eighty five thousand dollars. Top of the totem pole, Indians, hundred and twenty eight thousand dollars. So let that marinate. Like you see the the gaps within within wages and. Um, that is something that, that, that has to change. Because here's the thing, uh, and, and I'm sure there are a lot of factors, there are a lot of variables, but I dare say that parents who work low-income jobs, their children often end up working low-income jobs as well. You know, and it ends up being this type of cycle of poverty. And I would very much like to break that. So I'm gonna rant a little bit more, touch on technology. When I mentioned that $30,000 income block, mm-hmm. that's bullshit wages. It's bullshit jobs. And technology is going to kill bullshit jobs. Self-driving cars. Oh, you're making your bread off of DoorDash, Uber Eats. I'll give you another five years and then you're done. Like, that's going to be displaced. Um, all the other bullshit jobs, like, that's your making $30,000 and I do believe this is before taxes you know those technologies going to kill that so mm-hmm. you got to think that's a majority of income that's going in African American hands that's going to be removed I emphasize my whole freaking presidential slogan is upgrade America upgrade America because everything is going technical everything is getting digital and Low-income jobs are going away, and you know we need to get people more technical. So when you're looking at, I suppose we're gonna segue into immigration. Mm-hmm. I just want that was kind of pretty much my preamble on how it ties into immigration. But do you have anything on that? Well, um, uh, I agree with you 100%, man. Um, we talk about this stuff all the time, like. Well, I guess we'll dive more in when we talk about immigration and tech, like the tech jobs and all that. So I guess go ahead and start that. And I think it'll tie in more with that because I got some info too regarding blacks and tech. So like, um, where I'm going with immigration, that's the most definitely on, is that, you know, world is getting smaller, we're doing more globalization, and it turns out we're outsourcing about 40, I'm sorry, 14 million jobs, American jobs. Granted, these are jobs that Americans will most likely not want to do, like call centers and manufacturing jobs that, you know, the wages are not competitive, like, and, and, and I get it, company perspective. If you insource these jobs, the cost of goods is going to go up because of the price of American labor. I, I totally get that. But what I don't understand is the um, the lack of tech labor. So 
we're, we're going to talk about uh, the average salary for uh, HB1 visa. And that's a, an individual who's coming from another country to do jobs in, in America. It's about $81,000 that these people are making. And again, I want to emphasize, the average salary for African-Americans is $30,000. So this is damn near almost triple, you know, yeah. what African-Americans are, are being paid. And I, I totally get that. There's clearly a, um, there's a skill lapse in America. Mm -hmm. People don't want to acknowledge that. They don't. I had a conversation uh, with, with a gentleman who was in contracting. I'm like, we have a skill lapse in America. That's why we have to go overseas to, to fill it. And I was like, no, it's like demands and stuff like that. I'm like, for one, we have, what, 5.7 million people who are unemployed. You know, but on top of that, even the people who are employed, if you're employed in a shitty job, you know, it should be America's duty to make sure that the bottom, the bottom income should not be in the 30,000. No one should be in the 30,000s where we're bringing people in and we're throwing them, um, we're throwing them 80, 81K, 100K. So here's the thing. I'm not saying we have to decrease immigration. If anything, you would have to increase it. Now, well, I'll, I'll tell you why we have to increase it, because we have to keep the same flow of people coming in to fill these jobs, because we, we have to acknowledge that we have that skill left. So until we can fill that, we have to keep people coming in, fill those jobs. Why I want to increase it? Because we need to increase it to bring people in who have those skills and transfer that knowledge to Americans. Not just the African-Americans, yes, we're at the bottom of the totem pole and we need to bring people in to train them so that these salaries can go from 30,000 to 50,000 to 60,000, 80,000 and on up. And not just for African-Americans, but for Americans. American people deserve to have higher higher uh, wages and, and, and higher quality jobs. So um, particularly as things are getting technical, this is something that we need. So we're going to temporarily increase immigration, keep the regular flow coming in, bring additional resources in to train. And I'm not saying through college, just we'll have to do some sort of organized training to where these skills, this knowledge can be transferred to people and, and they'll, we will have that skill. That skill reservoir will be there. So you won't have to go out to all these other countries. Hey, I need a coder, I, I need a, uh, you know, a blockchain developer, I, I gotta go here, I gotta go there. And another thing too as well is that for purposes of national security, we have a lot of foreign people in our technical infrastructure, you know, in our federal government. And um, that's a, from a security purpose, like, I don't know. I know cybersecurity is, is one of the things that is usually reserved for American citizens. But it would be ideal to have more American people intact. And I, I, and again, for the black community, that's something I would like to see when I look at the ratios. I believe you have some stats on black people in tech. I'm curious to hear. Um, yeah, so Fortune article, it was written uh, June, uh, June 8th, 2018. Mm -hmm. Blacks in tech in the USA. So Facebook, for example, 3% of blacks in their company. That's mm. it. Google, 2% black in their company. 
Nationwide blacks made up 7% of high-tech workforce and 3% of Silicon Valley in 2016. Wow. And the top eight largest tech companies in 2014 was 2.5%. And then it jumped up just to 3.1% in 2017. That's so, but it. What does that tell you for the future of black employment as jobs are getting more technical? I think I've seen some programs where they're trying to encourage blacks to get into tech, but it's the fact of hiring them too, like really making the effort to hire and train. Nobody really wants to pay for the training. They want you to already come in and have the skills or whatever. But if you find a way to bridge and have apprenticeships. Ooh, ooh, pick me, pick me. Oh, go for it. So this is what I propose, right? Like, and we'll work it out where the tax break is like Google through the roof or like Google and Apple will be like one that kiss me because like the deal is so sweet. Like, let's take these Fortune 500, Fortune 200 companies. Let's blend them into the senior curriculum or even like both technical schools and, and things like that. Like, okay, cool. Because I know Google has like a Google University or uh, Apple University for like employees, but like let's bridge the gap from, you know, like really have them an outreach into the school. So it's like, yeah, now you're learning these skills from like let's say tenth grade on up. You okay. have a a sound future with with Apple. You know, you're you're they're laying some groundwork to you know to develop you like before you even graduate from high school. You know, so you're learning those skills. And then after high school, boom, then you can go to a, a, another level of it. But you're being, would that be bad to introduce employers to, uh, you know, to students so early? No, they have programs like that. I think, if I remember correctly, uh, Chattanooga is one of those cities in Tennessee mm -hmm. that are doing programs like that. It's a lot of... Industry, local industries reaching out to say community colleges and high schools, kind of tying it all together and doing the outreach where they're filling their gaps, their needs. So it exists, it's just to put more emphasis, emphasis on it nationwide and yes, to the bigger metropolitan areas is where the issue is. And also the rural areas, we always leave the rural people out. They well, need and, and here's the thing why I want it to be more online and so we can yes, yes. everyone who has an internet connection but again my biggest concern is that there are there are american citizens black white latino whoever that are making twenty thousand a year thirty thousand a year mm -hmm. and there are people who are not there making far more and we need to make sure that these jobs get filled by american citizens and if it means going on a limb to make sure they're trained and, and spun up we need to do that and if it means importing people with that knowledge, bringing, allowing more immigrants to come in with that knowledge, I'm willing to, to permit that for a period. And then as that's as our skills, you know, beef up, then we'll have to down, we'll have to downscale. And that's the part portion of immigration I really want to discuss. Mm -hmm. I know there's a under the Trump administration, they're adjusting the minimum salary requirement for HB1 visas. It used to be like, hey. I got a job over here, I believe it's like 60000 or 70000 You were like, I can't find any American who wants a $60,000 job or they don't have the skills to do it. 
So they're mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. We're, we're going to get someone to Pakistan. We're going to get someone from India. Now mm-hmm. they're raising that requirement. So it's mm-hmm. actually $130,000. Damn. So it actually sounds like it's better for the person who's coming. However, it's providing less opportunities for the people who are over it already there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like a few fewer people are coming, but it's because they have higher specialty skills. Well, to tie this all together with mm-hmm. your comprehensive plan of running the country, it goes back to one key thing you said, education. Our education system is so antiquated. And it is. To the article, I read over the article as well with the outsourcing and the visas and everything. And the key thing it said was they're just highly technical coming out of school already. So that's why it is more attractive to pluck them from that talent pool. Plus, they're young too, as well, because we got an aging demographic here in the US too. Let's keep that honest. The baby boomers. There's no shortage of young people, though. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I'm just saying there's a lot of other factors, but the one thing that just like really caught my attention was the education aspect. It's like, dude. I noticed that too. They said the majority of them have a bachelor's degree and Mm -hmm. some sort of specialty knowledge. So, I mean, here's the thing. We are beyond the times where we can just produce students, push them through, through college with the bare minimum knowledge, thinking they're going to make it on the outside. As I mentioned, like... Those $30,000 jobs, they're gone. So we need to be pushing kids through school with some sort of specialty knowledge. And we need to mass produce that. And if it means bringing other people in, in abundance, who have that knowledge, who have those skills, we need to do that so our kids have a future. Because if they're coming in and for, and I hear the skeptics talking, oh, well, 80% of the jobs that, you know, they're gonna be working don't even exist yet. Well, yeah, because that technology is not built. And when I'm telling you this this beast, this technological monstrosity, it's not going to stop, man. Mm-hmm. Like um, every year, upgrades, literally. Yeah, everything is is, is going to be upgraded, and that's why I'm glad we are acquiring this skill, this podcasting skill. Yeah. Because when it hits the fan, and let's just say our jobs can be automated, we can't automate this. You know, we got something else to fall back on. Um, yeah, I, I feel I feel what you're saying, and like I said, we're gonna hopefully you guys understand nuance and the complexity of this issue, mm-hmm. and know that we are not against immigrants. That's one of our biggest strengths in the U.S. Actually, right. compared to a lot of other countries, but it is also one of our detriments to where it affects the American citizens. Because if you look at other developed nations that are like Singapore, for example, their people come first yes. before other people come in. That's all we're saying. Like, that's all we're saying. Like, every major country practices this practice. That makes and I, sense. And I totally agree. And perhaps maybe that's why America's taken advantage of so much because it, it mm-hmm. seems to some extent there is a, a great degree of concern for, for immigrants. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Do you think more concern is placed on immigrants than on African-American people? Absolutely. And I agree with you on that, particularly, and I hate to keep demonizing the Democratic Party, 
<laughs> there's like that seemed to be their war cry. Oh my God, there are people in concentration camps at the border, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but let's uh, fix the black communities first. These people came of their own free will. Like we got, we were taken here hostage. You know, like let's let's fix the um, the black community first. And then the. I think the silence from the Republicans bothers me too. So you have the both extremes. I can't be mad at them because that's to be expected. No, I know I'm not mad. Grand but old just... party. I think of like old, uh, old Bronte and I had to say white people were like that. They don't care. Billionaires and and, and things. I I get it. So I'm not expecting that. I'm really not expecting much from them. Their their thing is not. They're not known for like the democratic party they're not known for getting the black vote they're not true like the democratic party is, is is known for that that's like oh like so it's like if that's what you're known for like act like it take some action i, I don't disagree with you on that one it's just i'm just like listen y'all want a better america too like i would think but other... upgrade america <laughs> you already know what are we talking about next, man? Yeah, let's see what's else on, on the agenda, man. I think we had a lot of topics out here. This was yeah, really cool. Did. I like how this one this one really flowed. So we talked about da, 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 a little immigration. We talked about some visas, a little bit on outsourcing. I mean, I think we nailed everything that yeah. I want to talk about. I guess I, I want to say a few more things. Okay. Like, we're gonna be covering some more political topics in, in the future, and I don't want to sugarcoat it, man. I think that's what a lot of politicians and that's what they do—they dance around the questions and they sugarcoat. We got to be real. So you, with, with that, I, I expect the can't make everyone happy, yeah. and so same time, might as well please myself. But uh-huh. yeah. I was going to laugh. I was like, the same thing you'd be reminding me of. Hold up. You took a political stance on that. <laughs> I need you to be direct. <laughs> oh, what did I do? Hold on. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm good at being a politician time and time. Yeah. Nah, you just be messing with me. It's true. Huh? So I can rock. Uh, tongue twisting. I can walk through the raindrops. Okay. Got you. Uh, I wanted to run over trade real quick i'll try to yeah, be yeah. it's very comprehensive i suggest you guys go if you really want to learn about this like go to the u.s trade representative site so i'm gonna just do a couple facts because i i didn't realize how much i wrote down but free there are free trade agreements with 20 countries right mm-hmm. um you have the top five export markets for U.S. goods in 2017, Canada, $282 billion, Mexico, $243 billion, China, $130 billion, Japan, $68 billion, and the U.K., $56 billion. Um, you got different areas and groups of countries that are represented in these trade agreements and all that. So I just wrote down a few. You got like Central South and Central Asian affairs. That's like, believe it or not, Afghanistan and India. It would be considered South. Uh, Central would be Uzbekistan and Kyrgyzstan. Some countries people don't ever talk about. They're a part of trade with the US. And then you also had Japan and Korea. 
program. You're a part of the APEC, I think Asian Pacific Economic something like that, to that effect. And then you have the Africa region. You also have what is known as NAFTA, North yeah. Atlantic Trade, uh, Free Trade Agreement with Canada and Mexico, our biggest trade neighbors. Um, what does that pretty much entail, NAFTA? Basically, we got a shared agreement with both of them that we trade pretty much freely, more freely than probably some other countries because we're so close together. So they're loosening up on uh, tariffs and all this kind of thing. Basically, like an overall view, you're not going to pay as much trading with each other, if that makes sense, to like keep it very simple. Um, then you got the Southeast region, ASEAN group, which is basically Southeast Asia, which we're very familiar with, Vietnam, all those countries. Um, and then you have Australia and New Zealand also included in that. Um, obviously so you got, is, e go ahead. What is all, how do these all come together? Um, they come together through talks and which I would say these two parts are just as important as the agreement. So you got the trade investment framework agreement. This okay. probably ties into the question you're asking. Governments discuss how to resolve trade investment issues at the early stage of talking about trade agreements. So that's a very integral part of trade agreements. Hey, let's work out these issues that we're about to run into before we sign this agreement. Now, I gotta ask, are there any external agencies outside of government involved? Like, for um, instance, you know, you have OPEC. Uh, yeah, what? Deals with the oil. You know, OPEC deals with the oil. Yeah. Like, are there any sort of governing bodies outside of government that can well, these little These little um, organizations I'm naming are kind of like, I guess, in comparison to that, what you're okay. asking like the APEC, like the CN, like I've heard of these. Um, so oh, I guess- Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, those would be examples. But um, the other one is the bilateral investment treaties, which is basically to protect private investment, something you were mentioning, develop market-orientated policies in partner countries and promote U.S. exports. So I think that kind of wraps it all up in a bow with those two other factors, along with the trade agreement, free trade agreements. Okay. Um, but like I said, y'all want more information? Oh, we got the Caribbean and South American region and then Central America as well. So just to throw all that out there. So basically we trade with everybody. Iran, they even mentioned Iran and Iraq. So I was like, oh, okay. You call that trade? All right. <laughs> so <laughs> how do you, um... How sanctions fit? Well, that's where the beef comes in when we start beefing with each other. Um, usually that's around war stuff. Like if somebody's not agreeing with trade agreements or they want to renegotiate, and that's where tariffs come in. Like, hey, I'm going to charge you more. And okay. Think, well, um, that's worse. Okay. That Typically, war is supposed to hit military targets. You know, so it's like while there's collateral damage, your ultimate objective is to hit military targets. But sanctions, uh, sanctions seem to inflict more damage on the people than on the government. Say, so it's like it, it almost makes me wonder 
is the objective of economic sanctions to encourage the people to stage a coup? Mm. Well, if you read uh, John Perkins' Confessions of an Economic Hitman, I highly suggest that book. Yeah, yeah. He talks about basically what you're discussing. He, he breaks it all down. Well, that's what it makes me wonder. But yeah, yeah, that's very interesting on trade. I kind of want to um, discuss that more in depth. Yeah. You know, um, how do you say the president, Trump just came back from India, like maybe last week or week before. And, uh, you know, they had some big discussions. I know there's a big uh, defense deal that was signed. Maybe let's call it 80 billion. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're doing a defense deal with them. But there is some also some talk about um, India picking up the slack for production where China fell off. Mm, yeah, they've been getting pretty cozy, Trump so and uh, question the is, new prime minister. There is a uh, Africa is on the rise. They yes. have developing a strong middle class. Yeah, that video you it's sent Twitter me was. Twitter is uh, awesome. Jack Dempsey. Twitter CEO, and I probably could have named Scott, but I know he was like moving to Africa for a couple oh, months. Jack, Jack Dorsey. Yeah. Dorsey, oh, pardon me for telling you that. Mm-hmm. But like he was uh, moving to Africa for a couple of months to, you know, to push a big project out there. But there is potential in Africa. And I'm just did curious want, if. Did you want to discuss that a little bit, or you want to wait till another I don't have the, 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 the facts and the data to go that in depth. If you want to go off over it, I'll chat it up with you. But uh, I think we're nearing our time frame on. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We won't drag it on. But um, yeah, I, I, that article, I think we'll talk about probably another episode because that was a very fascinating clip. I really enjoyed that. Um, I don't know if you got closing remarks. Nah, man, I hope that you guys stick with us. It is probably going to get a little more radical. It's going to get more radical since election season is coming up. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's going to be, we're going to have a great time doing it. We're going to have lots of fun on the show. And as always, it's open to guests if you're brave enough to come on the show. I was supposed Um, to have one of my colleagues discuss the visas, but he's bullshitting. We don't have time for bullshit. So we we don't push through it without you. But yeah, anybody else who's brave enough to come on the show and, um, you know, share your thoughts, man, Upgrade America, let's do this. But thanks again for hanging out with us. Have a blessed night, day, evening, wherever you're at in the world. Peace. Peace.